my gosh, every time, every time. Jason and Danielle, they do that every time. You feel good about yourself if you're friends with them. Be that kind of friend, all right? Um, how's everybody doing this morning? Almost afternoon. So we're so excited about this series that we're in the middle of, and it's called Have It All. Would you give it up for some of our videographers and video people who put things like that together? Lots of room in that team if anybody's interested in joining using their creative gifts. I see a few new photographers in the room. This is exciting. So anyways, we're in the middle of a series called Have It All, and it's really all about living and giving in the overflow. Because when you have it all, you realize you have enough, correct? And because we have faith in Jesus Christ, he is our sufficiency, he is enough. So if he's enough for us, then no matter what we're thinking about our situations or how much we think we have in the world's terms, we have enough to give. We have something to give. And if it's just the love of Jesus, that is enough. In fact, that is more than enough. And so we're talking about having it all, living in the overflow of Christ. And it comes at a really good time here in the end of the year, the last quarter of the year, as we come up um, towards Thanksgiving and Christmas and the season of, you know, giving, giving and living with joy. And what happens when you walk in the privilege of being generous? You spread joy. You're like a couple of tall, over six-foot dudes wearing gift boxes on a Sunday morning. And that's what we want to be. We want to be a blessing. Lately, I've been telling the kids that one of our mottos now in our home, I mean, I always try to find these mottos, and I'm like, I need to get these truths in them at this age before they get too old. But I want them to understand that they exist to be a blessing. So I've been asking them lately when they've been hitting each other with the swords that they've acquired through Halloween costumes, troll hunter sword, man, it's a massive sword. I'm like, are you being a blessing to your sister as it's hitting her in the face? Probably not. And so we want to be a blessing. We want to be a blessing. And so this morning we're going to continue to look at Philippians 4 verses uh, 13 through 17. Last week Caleb spoke an incredible message on contentment. And Paul talks about being content. He found the secret of being content. And if you want to know the secret, you have to go online. Go to ProjectChurch.com, listen to the message. It was a great message. And um, you can also check our podcast out. But I want to give you a little more context about the book of Philippians it's actually a really interesting letter because most letters you hear him kind of reproving or correcting the churches, like the church of Corinth. And he's telling them, you know, how they can modify um, and understand how to walk out the gospel. But here we come to Philippians and the whole book is Paul writing them a thank you letter. He's saying thank you for supporting me in this call that I have to start Jesus communities throughout the world. And so he's thanking the church of Philippi to, for being so generous because they were a generous church. So he continues to thank them and encourage them in their faith. And I want to stand here and tell you thank you. Thank you for continuing to serve and to give regularly. We have tons of missionaries from India to Spain to Arizona to Sacramento. We have in the Philippines. We have, we have so many people who are doing a global work 
of bringing the gospel to those who are either unreached or who just need to hear about Jesus and bring life and hope to these people, life and freedom. So I'm saying to you today, the same way Paul said to the Church of Philippi, thank you, Project Church. Let's continue to be generous people because the more generous we are, the more I believe that we're understanding and grasping the concept of what it is to be a Christian. Being a Christian is serving and giving. Because being a Christian is following Christ and Christ gave his life. He gave his life so that we might have freedom. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life. He gave us his grace. And because of that, we can follow his example and live as generous Christians because our God and our Savior is a generous Savior. And so let's look at Philippians. There's a few verses that I believe a lot of us actually know. And a lot of us have um, coffee mugs and a lot of us have t-shirts and hats that say some of these really popular phrases that we find in um, Philippians. And there's only four chapters. And you might recognize some of these verses or have read it on somebody's wall, on Facebook, or Instagram. And, and if you're anything like me, I fall for the ads. I fall for the ads on Instagram. And so I have some shirts and I have some things on my wall from Instagram that say these things. But in chapter one of Philippians, one of the main verses, theme verses, is to live is Christ and to die is gain. And some people are like, whoa, to die is gain, so I have to like die for Christ, you know. And, you know, that, were you wondering about that voice? I am too. Um, <laughs> my, my son's got to be the troll hunter, and there's a character in there who has a voice like that. I just felt like I had to explain that to you. Um, so to live is Christ and to die is, is gain. And it's not like we all have to be martyrs. What Paul is saying here is to live is to be like Christ. To have the best, peaceful, joyful, contented life is to be like Christ. Is to follow Christ. And to die, to die would be okay too because we would be in Christ's presence. So to be living like Christ is to be being in his presence. And to die would be a gain because we will be in his presence forever. So Christ is life Chapter 1, chapter 2, live like Jesus who laid all glory aside to exalt God, to exalt God by serving us. That's what Jesus did, live like Jesus. Chapter 3 says, I count all things rubbish next to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. He's saying, thank you, church. Thank you, church. Thank you, church. I'm going to continue to do the, the work of the Lord. I'm going to continue to be imprisoned. Imprisoned, Paul is imprisoned imprisoned when he wrote this, I'm going to continue to do the work of the Lord because I counted all things rubbish than to be doing the work of my king, of my savior, and being in his presence. And then chapter 4, you know this well, how many girls have a t-shirt, how many people have the hat? I have one, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the interesting thing about this verse, though, because I want to remind you that in chapter 2, we hear about how um, somebody was sent to Paul in prison to send him gifts and to help support him while he's imprisoned. And so um, you have to understand that Paul is being a recipient of so much generosity from the church of Philippi. 
And so when we get to this verse, it's not saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me like I have said to my kids when I'm like, you can do it when you don't want to do chores. You're going to do it anyways. When you say no, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's a little out of context. And sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, you can, you can win. You can, you can pass that test. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And actually, this verse is in the middle of a part of Philippians where he is thanking them for their generosity. And he's just coming off of saying, um, I have found the secret of being content. And what it is, this contentment is, um, has enabled him to recognize his need for Christ and his need for some help from the church to make it through this imprisonment. So we're going to, we'll dive into that a little bit more. But what I want you to understand about this scripture is that it's, it's not just that it's about generosity, but also understand that Paul had this mindset of having it all. Even when he was in prison, he had it all. He had it all. And when we have it all, we have increased capacity to do all things we wouldn't or couldn't otherwise do. And I'm going to qualify all things later, but tonight we're going to be talking, or today we're going to be talking about the ideas of capacity and generosity. Capacity and generosity. And what I want to submit to you this morning is that Christ enables us to grow in our capacity so that we may display generosity. He enables us to be more generous because when we're more generous, we display the love of Christ. When we're generous, we're being like Christ. When we're generous, we draw people to the good things of Christ. When we are generous, we attract people to the gospel. And that is the goal. Amen? So let's read Philippians 4, 13 through 17. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you, he's talking to the church of Philippi, kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Let's pray. Close your eyes. God, we love you so much and we thank you for your word. And we thank you that it is a light into our feet and a lamp into our path, or a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And you can direct us through that. So, God, I pray that our hearts would be directed towards being more generous than we've ever been before. God, that we would understand what you want to accomplish through us by being generous and by receiving your generosity and your kindness in our own lives. So, God, we love you so so much. May we be a generous people when we walk, walk out of this room. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be understanding the relationship between capacity and generosity. And so my first couple points here are about when others are generous to us. When others are, gener excuse me, when others are generous to us, we, number one, see in verse 13 that our capacity to receive should increase. I think we're challenged by Paul to increase our capacity to receive. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So I want to tell you a story um, about when Caleb and I got married, maybe a few years in, we 
I got pregnant. That happens sometimes. You get married and you have get pregnant. I was pregnant with Canaan, and I was hungry all the time. And uh, <laughs> I sat down with my brother-in-law and my father-in-law and Caleb, and we had taco night. And we had each about three tacos. And then just as soon as everyone was kind of standing up, I stood along with them, and they headed towards the sink to put their dishes away, and I headed to the buffet to get more tacos. Because I was pregnant, and come on, three tacos, guys? You know? like So I really recognized in that moment that I am a bigger eater than my husband, I think. And I don't know if it's cultural. I mean, we had smorgasbord. We had, like, leftovers laid out all day, every day. There's tons of right. I just had ample whatever. And so when I married him, I realized this guy, like, eats, like, one serving. (laughs) I'm not knocking him because even his dad and his brother and along, and I was like, how am I out eating these men. And I wanted to say that I'm being spiritual and living in the overflow and receiving. I'm increasing my capacity to receive. No, I'm just kidding. But really, <laughs> what, what we see here is that sometimes the word contentment makes us think that, oh, we're full and we're satisfied, right? We're full. I don't need any more. No, thank you. But I believe that the contentment that Paul was talking about is the same contentment that I felt at dinner. Like, yes, I'm full, but I'm still in need of more. (laughs) Okay? So there's this contentment that Paul has. And I believe that this idea of contentment means that we're being satisfied. We are satisfied, but we're still in need. So I think there are times when people are trying to bless us. We're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm content. And we have a hard time receiving. Anybody else have a hard time receiving gifts, receiving help? And I would just, I would just go as far as to say, be careful of not receiving gifts. Because if you're not receiving gifts, the people who get blessed for being generous to you, they, they don't get the blessing of seeing you filled with joy by receiving a gift. And so I always tell people, don't steal my blessing. If I want to give you something, you, you better take it. Be blessed in Jesus' name, you know. And so I believe that us as Christians particularly, we need to get to a point where we're, we are okay to say, I need help. I'm content, but I will receive your help. So let's not be quick to say no. I can do all things includes that I can receive all things. My capacity should increase. But on the flip side, let's, let's make sure we're not saying, I can do all things through Christ. I deserve all things and I am entitled to all things. How many people know, know people who are like, yes, I receive and I'm entitled. Where, is my, where are my gifts? I mean, we, we get asked for help a lot. And when the people are asking, it's kind of like, uh, excuse me, we expect you to give. You're a church. I'm like, yeah, we're going to give. But there is a spirit of entitlement that we don't want to take on. So we have to be careful of that. But allow God to increase your capacity to receive generosity without becoming entitled. It's something that I think our generation is seeing. But if we think that we're entitled, we're actually living out of a lack and not out of the overflow and not of knowing that Christ is our sufficiency and that even if somebody doesn't want to give to us, then we don't have to be mad at them. We don't have to be upset with them. The way you know that you're being entitled is if you start saying, they're not giving me enough. They're not doing enough. Well, they don't need to do anything. Christ is enough for you. 
He's going to bring about what you need. And once we can get to the point of not expecting from other people and being a victim of what other people aren't doing for us, then we're going to be start, we're going to start walking in the abundance of what God wants to give us and what God needs to give us. Amen. So let's get to the point where we receive well and be a blessing that way. So when others are generous to us, not only will our capacity to receive, not only should it increase, but our capacity to endure hard times increases. How many people want an increase of capacity to struggle and get through hard things? I mean, sometimes there's times where you're so suffocated and things that are difficult that you're like, God, can you just please help me through this? And if you ever get to that point, just find people and surround yourself by people who are generous. Find people who are generous with their time. Find people who are generous with their resources. Find people who are generous. I, I, I believe that in verse 14, it says this, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. The Philippians were adamant about helping the people who are in trouble and supporting the people especially who were, um, were getting persecuted for the cause of the gospel, like Paul. There's this phrase that my coach used to say in high school, my basketball coach, it was like, tough times never last, tough people do, right? And I was like, yes, I love that. And I love saying it with my team. But if I could have added anything to it, it would have been like tough times never last, tough communities do. Because I don't want to be a person alone being tough and making it through tough times. I'm telling you right now, I will not be tough in a tough time by myself. And neither will you. As tough as you think you are, you're not actually tough. You're getting hardened to the things that God is trying to soften your heart to. And you're isolating yourself from the people who are actually going to help you. The people who are going to give you life and breathe life into you. And so tough times never last, tough communities do. Come on, you know the hashtags, hashtag better together. Hashtag team our strength, hashtag community our hearts. This church is not going to be healthy unless we engage in community and stay committed to community. And I'm praying right now that we are we, we go into greater depths of community than ever before. I pray that we get into greater depths of vulnerability and authenticity. And if you need help in this place, find a community, please, for the love of God. He loves you so much that he gave you and provided you a church and a room full of people looking for friendships, looking to be generous to you. And sometimes we don't believe it. But I'm telling you right now, if you open your heart to what God wants to do, you'll start receiving well, right? You'll start receiving well and enduring hard and tough times better. So let's stay committed. I remember my friend, her name's Ashley, and she um, and her husband had a, I want to, I don't remember, maybe 18-month-old. You guys could help me with the age. But um, her husband was deployed for 11 months. And I remember at one, after one Sunday morning, she came up to me just in tears. And it's just like, I just think I need people who are going through the same thing as me. And I, I can't say that people were going through the same exact thing as her. But I watched as a community of people surrounded her for 11 months, surrounded her. 
And I'm telling you, she came out of that 11-month season without her husband, doing her work and and committing to her 18-month-old, doing it by herself. She came out of that season of her life stronger, closer to the Lord, and closer to a group of people that she'll probably be friends with for a lifetime. That's what happens when, when people are generous with their time. People are able to endure a tough time better than they would have if a community didn't come around them. And so are you the person who's being generous to the person who's having a hard time? Or do you just see that as like, oh, one more person. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. That just seems like a lot of commitment. God has called us to generosity because in a time that we're in need, we would want those people to surround us too. So let's stay committed to being generous to others so that we can increase in our capacity to endure hard times. So that's a couple things of what happens when others are generous to us. But when we are generous, I believe that in verse 15 we see that our capacity of faith increases. Verse 15 says this, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. When you're generous, do you ever feel like, man, what if, like, what else can I do? Like, I'm thinking about, you know, when you, like, help somebody, you give them, like, $3, and they're holding up a sign, and you're like, oh, man, that felt good to give them that $3 or whatever you had in their cup holder in your car, right? The homeless person is like, oh, what else can I do? And then there's, like, things like Hope Week, and you're like, what else can I do? And I, and I believe that when we're generous, we, we, we find that faith is, starts to rise in us. And I really truly believe that when we are generous, God's saying to us, there's more. He's whispering us, to us, there's more. And I want to be the people that say, man, what else can I do? Who else can help me? So we have a good friend of ours, and he's our production director here at Project Church. And he posted on um, earlier this week that, hey, Monday's my birthday. I wonder if anybody or could somebody buy me these pair of shoes? It's my birthday. And it was more money than I would spend on a pair of shoes. And um, and so one of the guys from our Westside campus, he, he was chatting with a bunch of us in the office, and he was just like, hey, what if we actually got him that? And what was so cool was he's like, here's my Venmo account. Let me know if you want to help out. And pretty soon it was like, I'll help, I'll help, I'll give, I'll give. And it got us down to like $20. We didn't have to do that much, you know, because those are kind of expensive. But, no, I'm just saying what is cool is generosity begets generosity. That's what Mark 4.25 says in the message version. When you're generous, it causes a ripple effect. And may even decrease the mountain. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I would have given it to him. I love him like a brother. Anyway, but generosity begets generosity. And if you're generous, I think you'll start to be generous. And then you'll be generous. And then you're like, what can we do together? What greater impact can we do together than if I was here by myself? Here's what happens when you serve by yourself sometimes. I believe what happens is sometimes like, man, can I even, is this even making a difference? Does this, is this changing anything? Like, what can I really do by myself? 
So get into a community and start being generous. And generosity will beget generosity. And the more generosity that is spilling out, out of the hearts of the people in this place, it will make a greater impact than we could ever have imagined. I think about even stepping out in faith and planting this church. You think Caleb and I did this all by ourselves? Heck no. Do you think that Sunday mornings are done just by Evan on a guitar? Heck no. Am I allowed to say that? Anyway, um, we, we can do more together. We can do a lot more together. So let's get to that place where we're so generous and that will increase the faith in our hearts. And we'll start seeing what we believe and hope for. And once we start seeing, the world that we are serving is going to start seeing a Jesus and they'll recognize their need for him. It's what I truly believe. So Hope Week. Hope Week's coming up, you guys. Hope Week is coming up and it's a week that we get to serve in all different capacities, cleaning out gutters, painting walls, painting like the school blacktops, dancing with senior citizens. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to do that? Somebody just says, shut up. No, it's a real thing. All right? Like, what can you do? What kind of hope can we unleash when we do it together? Would you sign up for Hope Week? That's like an opportunity. That's an opportunity for us to see people changed, people encouraged, hope released in our communities, hope released in our hearts, faith rising because we're being generous. And what I believe in verse 16 shows us that our capacity to do more will increase. When we are generous, time, money, talent, resources, when we are generous, our capacity to do more increases. If the band would come up at this time. It says this in verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. You might be thinking, oh, once in a while they help. No, he's saying once and again and again and again and again and again. They were committed, they were faithful to the work of the kingdom through what Paul was doing. So what I see here is that they were able to do more than this one-time shot. They were able to do more. But I do want to warn some of us about this idea that, man, do more. When, I, when people are asking me to do some things, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes it's like, really? Okay. I got it. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, sure. And, you know, you have like a mini, like, Oh, I, I committed to them, and now you have this mini, like, explosion in your brain. Like, can I actually really handle that, you know? And then it's just like, well, am I actually going to be able to fulfill the need that they have? And we're like, I, I'm just me. I don't know if I can do that. And we'll do what I was saying earlier. Like, can I really make that much of a difference? And you commit to these things, and it's like this lie overcomes you that, say, that says you're just this, you're just that. I don't know if you can really make a difference. But what happens when we hear more to do more to add to our plate, we like freak out. But then we're like, I should, I should, I should, I should. Normally when you hear should, not the best. But what I see happening in the church sometimes is like there's this temptation of overcoming the lie of just, I'm just this or just that, to this overcompensation. And this overcompensation looks like being overly ambitious. And sometimes in our more in our own strength, we either do more or do everything. And then we start realizing that the things that we're doing and the things that we're signing up for is this 
striving. And the enemy loves us to get tangled up in the spirit of strife because we're just spinning our wheels. And then we move outside of God's enabling grace and enabling power. And we find ourselves depleted, exhausted, unfulfilled, and just doing everything in our own strength. And this lie of, I'm just this or I'm just that. Oh, and I have to do more, but I, sh I should do it, I should do it. And you're like feeling like this guilt and this suffocation, you just go ahead and do it. This, the lie of like the self-deprecating just, it, it moves into this self-important, yes to everything, I'll do everything and people pleasing. And that's not what God would have of us, of anybody in this room. And so I wanna warn us of that. And so I wanna say, yes, God can give you the capacity to do more. Some of us just have to do more. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it that way. But then the more in tune we get to what Christ has for us and the purposes he has for us, we get to a place where we realize, hey, maybe more is actually just being faithful for once in my life. And maybe more is faithfulness. I believe that we're not just called to do more and fill our plates and fill our schedules. And honestly, it, it that will give some people anxiety attacks. And I, and I know people who have run themselves dry and I've gotten to a very unhealthy place because they did more than they actually could handle. And we weren't listening to what Jesus was telling us to do and what he actually expected of us. I'm telling you, sometimes he, he's not asking us to fill our plates. He's act, asking us to make it a lifestyle. This faithful lifestyle of generosity to where it's a joy and it's a privilege. That's one of our blueprints here. It's a privilege to be generous. It's a privilege to be generous. And you know, there's opportunities for you to do things week in and week out. There's opportunities for you to run the lyrics week in and week out. There's opportunities for you to set up and tear down week in, week out. There's opportunities to invest in your kids week in and week out. There's opportunities for you to invest in your, your nephews and your nieces that you don't see all the time, that you know that they don't know Jesus. There's opportunities for you to invest in them week in and week out, to invest in your, in your co-works week in and week out, whatever it is. Is. Don't fill your plate with more. Just be faithful in what God has called you to do. Faithfulness is more in the kingdom. It's more. It's more. And you have the capacity to be faithful. You have the capacity to be faithful in your giving. You might be thinking, man, every week they take the offering. They're asking me for money every week. And you know what? I want to give us the opportunity to be more like Christ because he was so generous to us that we have an opportunity to be generous week in and week out. Do we have to give a million dollars every week? I mean, it'd be nice, but you can't do that, so it's fine. But if it's fine to just give regularly 10%, God could do so much with our 10% than if we had all 100% of our money. He could do way more with 10%. So we just need to be faithful. God's called us to be faithful. So let me close with verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Let me read it in the message just for you to understand this a little bit better, more naturally. This is Paul speaking. He's, he's, a, he's encouraging the church, the Philippians, for their generosity. He's like, continue to be to be generous, be a generous people. This is what he says. Not that I'm looking for handouts. The church, when they're asking you and appealing to you for to take an offering every week, when, you know, 
we're not asking for handouts. Paul's not asking for handouts. But I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. There's a blessing that happens, blessing that happens. Generosity begets generosity. So every time you're generous, you get a blessing. Not that you're doing it for the blessing, but that's just the economy of God. He just blesses and he just gives. And he wants to say, I gave my life to you, for you. And I want you to have life and life to the fullest here on earth. And I want you to be blessed every time you invest in the kingdom. I want you to be blessed every time you invest in the widow and the untouchable and the, dis, the, the people who have been disenfranchised. I want you to be blessed. He wants you. We want you. Why do we do Hope Week? Why do we put on service every week? Why do we serve at City of Refuge? Why do we serve the Shine Girls? Why do we do all those things? Because we want you to have the opportunity to be blessed. You're blessed when you're more like Christ. We're blessed when we take on the same characteristics of God who came to this earth humbly to serve, to seek and save the lost. That's what we do when we serve. When we serve, we take on the position of Christ and we are most like Christ when we're serving. We're the most like him when we serve. So I wanna close with this. Generosity increases God's capacity. Generosity increases God's capacity. Don't get me wrong, he can do everything, but his capacity to do more through us. You hear me? He doesn't need us. But do you want to be the person that comes to church and God doesn't use us to the greatest capacity that he could? Now imagine if we were just more generous. What could God do with that? What could God do with an open heart that says, I'm available to whatever you would have me do? To an available, obedient heart. It increases God's capacity to do something through you. Through you. And I believe this with all my heart, the degree to which you allow God to work through your generosity is the degree to which others have the opportunity to know who Jesus is. When we're generous and we're emulating Christ and Christ's heart, then I believe that people are more attracted to that and they realize they're not just attracted to you, they're attracted to the church and they're not just attracted to the church, they're attracted to the bridegroom, which is Christ. So let's be a generous people. Let's be a generous people. Let's be those leaders that just step out in faith and believe God to do something greater in us and through us than we could ever think or imagine. I'm gonna speak this over you. It's just a verse that you find in Ephesians 5.20 and it talks about just the abundance and the overflow. And I believe this for every single one of you as you walk out the privilege of being generous. Ephesians 5:20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God wants to increase your capacity today. Continue to be generous. He wants to increase your capacity to rest. Our capacity to serve will increase. Our capacity to give will increase. Our capacity to dream big dreams will increase and our capacity to forgive will increase amen let's be a generous church in Jesus name why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes in this place